0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori.
1: I'm Anna Redberg.
0: And today's movie, I I asked Anna before we started if it was my turn to introduce the movie, and unfortunately it
1: is.
0: (laughs) I have to introduce you to a movie called Dune. It is not the David Lynch version, which we have not yet seen on Movie Club. It is the new version by Denis Villeneuve. I don't know. We we looked at the pronunciation and even with the pronunciation guide still suck at it
1: yeah i i don't know Denis Villeneuve? V- vienou vu
0: we know this director well we've seen many things by him mm-hmm. but we just haven't ever gotten the name right <laughs> it's a
1: name it's a tough name it's yeah. a tough name for the for those of us who don't speak french
0: we need to go back to le grand bleu that i yeah, could handle yeah. this is too advanced for me this is like the 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 level 2 class yeah, and i'm still exactly. in the level 1 exactly class. So, uh, this film is the first of our recent film series. Prior to this, we really hadn't done any movies that were new. The newest things we were doing were like interstellar or something, which was
1: yeah, we haven't done any a good
0: like 10 plus years. Yeah, ago. we
1: haven't done any new releases yet.
0: And so we're jumping forward this month to releases that came out like basically this year or last year. And Dune was fairly popular when it came out, at least for a Denny film. Like, previously he had done Blade Runner 2049, which more or less failed at the box office. Now, failure in this case is obviously all relative. It's a failure in much the same way that Master and Commander was a failure, meaning that it wasn't like no one went to see it. It's just not enough people went to see it for a big budget film. Mm -hmm. Dune, on the other hand, was successful. Like, I believe they're making another one. Yeah. They were happy with the take. It wasn't a failure like Blade Runner 2049 was. So this was kind of the first, like, big-budget breakthrough for Denny. He had done, like, well, The did Arrival, a rival. Yeah. Uh, which was a much smaller film, uh, and, and other s- such films. But, this, you know, Blade Runner 2049 was supposed to be a big one, and it wasn't. This one was his first big one. Anna Retberg, what mm. did you think of Dune?
1: Uh, Okay, well, so I feel like I feel like this is going to be the most controversial episode of Molly Movie Club so far, because... That may be. Neither of us really like it.
0: <laughs> I do not like it.
1: <laughs> um, and particularly for me, I don't like the visual style. I don't like Denny... I'm just going to call him Denny, so I don't have to yes. worry about the last yes. name. Yes, I don't like how his movies look. Um, pretty strongly, I feel that way about his movies. I don't think they're good looking. Right there with you. And um, I know that's... Sort of controversial. I mean, it's also not, because I've heard from plenty of film people who also don't like them. So I know it's not like super, super controversial, I guess. But I don't know. He's. I think he's a polarizing director
0: visually. Yeah. And I guess what I would say is that uh, in terms of cinematography, I guess that like you can't call him like incompetent or something. No, 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 no. So I wouldn't go so far as to like, as to criticize in that fashion, meaning he is obviously... Constructing these things very intentionally. Yes. The shots all look very specific. Yes. So it's not really a case of me going like, this guy sucks. It's right. more like, for whatever reason, what he wants to put on a screen is not what I want to see on the exactly. screen. Exactly. It's kind of what's happening.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah. he basically has one thing he does. Yes. Which is there's a really bright white light in the scene somewhere, yeah. and everything is dark against it. Yeah and that's and there's no color other than like a one sort of wash of well, color well there's
0: also very much like extremely few very strong lines usually a trapezoid in most of the shots it's there's very little in them
1: there's extremely minimal yeah very sparse well i was thinking about that too like the different so i mean in this movie you go you're on multiple different planets with mm-hmm. uh Three, we'll say, main different. I guess four if you count the emperors. People, th- four different like races or groups of not races. They're all humans. Yeah, but I
0: guess they're supposed to be groups humans. of
1: people, right? Like cultures. Are they supposed to be
0: humans? I'm sorry. For, for those of us who haven't human... read the novel, I haven't read the novel. I think you have.
1: I have, but I only read the first right. one, and I really liked it. But okay. um,
0: are these humans?
1: Yeah. Well, in this, and even in the okay. movie, they say humans multiple times. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I'm I... sure that, that implies that there's other people who are not humans. Anyway, all I was trying to say is that like for those different groups of people. The the only way I can tell you can really tell them apart is by costuming and like casting and like how the people look. The environments all look exactly the same. Yes. The ships all look exactly the same. Yes, and and extremely minimal. Like, yes, at that there's very little actual detail in any of the sets and environments. And there it's like you, it, they're the same for all of them. Yes, um, I think for me the strongest part of this movie is actually like I I do enjoy like the costumes. Um.
0: The, there was a couple of times when there were costumes on parade, like at the beginning when there's this giant egg that lands yeah, and a bunch of guys walk out of that thing mm-hmm. and they have these weird like dome helmets on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was probably what I thought was best about the design of the movie was those weird costumes. Yeah. And you there's know? like
1: uh, throughout the movie, I, there's a lot of like that, like weird, yeah. cool, like creative costume yeah. and, and and like and not just costumes, the people wearing them, too. The costume well, look,
0: designer was obviously. Good.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's what gives the movie any character, like in terms of the the different uh, groups of people. Yes. The uh the way it's shot doesn't. There's there's I mean maybe you could say there's a little bit of like. Color variation, but hardly because this movie is very, very little color. It's There's almost black color. and white. It almost feels like a black and white film.
0: It's it's desaturated. To, yeah. It's basically like it's desaturated almost all the way, and then tinted all the one, way to one it's color. It's like you you pretty much yeah. you're only seeing a particular which color just lends it to. It feels mo-
1: like these, the, the movie feels monochromatic. It basically throughout.
0: does. It is, might as well be a black and white movie. It
1: might as well be yeah. Because and when they do use color, it's it's extremely minimal. Very spare. and the white the light is always bright white. Um, so it washes out kind of everything, and it's just like yeah, you have this intense white light. Like the, the desert stuff really bugged me. Sorry, I'm, I know I'm like hogging this, but no, just, I, I love I'm, it when
0: you hog it. the The worst, <laughs> the worst episodes are ones where I have to talk the whole time. Well, it's way I, better when you talk. I'm
1: just gonna go because for me the main, my main things that are sticking in my head are all the visual stuff that I don't care for. Like the desert, I, the desert is like I don't like the aesthetic of it at all. I don't like how it's white sky. Yep, and then like just brown like yep. it's so brown yeah. and like ugly yep. and and it doesn't feel hot it feels cold
0: you know that is i'm really glad you said that because that is one of the most striking things to me about this film yeah in and we contrast it with lawrence of arabia right. in lawrence of arabia you feel hot
1: oh the whole watching time. the yes. movie yes
0: in this movie never felt it once yeah
1: yeah, cold. No, totally. All
0: the time always cold.
1: Yeah. No, cuz it's like Lawrence of Arabia is my favorite movie.
0: Yeah. Obviously so, a masterpiece. It's unfair to compare anything to that yeah, movie, yeah. And, but... and I
1: mean it's like Dune is actually sort of based on like It feels T. E. Lawrence. very no, T. E. No, it, Lawrence. No, I mean it is. Okay, it yeah. is. Like I
0: said haven't read the book, so I'm just going on the movie. Like it feels very Tiana. Oh, it Lawrence. definitely
1: yeah. is. It definitely is it's got a lot of parallels with Lawrence of Arabia. And so it's, it's hard not to compare them sometimes. I mean, I think about Lawrence of Arabia too. There's so many scenes in the desert. I mean, the whole movie's in the desert and they all feel so different depending. And they, they perfectly match the feeling of the scene that's taking place in them. Right. Then I think about Dune and it's like the whole movie just looks like one thing. It looks exactly the same. And if you love that thing, then it, maybe that's okay. I mean, it's, it does lend the movie this like this flatness, this hollowness, like emotionally. I think. I mean, yes,
0: I would totally agree.
1: Um, which also isn't helped by the fact that the characters are also very hollow. And, the whole movie just and feels... everyone's
0: delivery is identical, except for Jason Momoa, which also doesn't help. Yeah, no, yeah. totally.
1: It's like the whole thing is just like it's very narratively character everything is just like one thing and it's like flat and level and never changes yes and is like everything is monochromatic
0: yes it's basically a mumford and Sons song as a movie (laughs) and like if you like that then i guess that's fine but like if you were expecting you know a key change somewhere in this thing you're not gonna get it so don't Don't wait for it. Don't wait for the bass to drop because the bass ain't going to drop. It's just (laughs) the first part of the dubstep song. Um, So the other thing I would say about the cinematography in the film is Before we move on to the editing, which is actually I'm willing to call the editing incompetent because I think it is, I would say objective mistakes for a movie that wasn't that isn't intentionally trying to confuse you, which I never got the sense. This isn't like supposed to be a film where you're confused all the time. There are films that will use editing to intentionally confuse you. This film, as far as I can tell, was trying very hard to tell a story so much. So one of the things I'll complain about later is massive exposition dumps. You don't have massive exposition dumps in a movie where you then have editing intended to confuse the audience about what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I- I'm willing to just say it's objectively bad editing. Cinematography, not willing to say objectively bad, but just trying to point out reasons I didn't like it, like you are. Mm-hmm. The desert is supposed to be vast. Like one of the things that's scary or interesting about a desert is that if you are stranded in a desert, which happens in this film and is supposed to be part of it. Yes. Is that it's very, you're supposed to feel very helpless, that it is, goes on in all directions and there's no sign of civilization. And and the
1: heat, the heat is like... The heat
0: uh, is supposed to be brutal. Yeah. Not only do I never see any like heat shimmers in this movie. There's a little, there's there's very very little little, mirage.
1: Very little mirage. Very little
0: mirage, which makes it not look hot.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But also they do a lot of shooting. So the camera angle choices are bad for emphasizing scale. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of shooting... With lenses that feel compressy, shooting from top down sometimes, mm-hmm. but often high angle down, mm-hmm. which makes the desert feel small. Yeah, it feels like a small desert to me. When I watch yes. this movie, I never get the sense that it's this vast expanse. It always yep. feels like a little tiny desert with a city next to it. So
1: I actually had the same feeling throughout the movie, not just with the desert scenes. I I got the feeling in a lot of scenes, like you, that it was on a soundstage, like. It had Which a little, was, it Had but, that yeah. feeling to me sometimes where it yes. felt like the the room <clears> the world like where the scene just kind of dropped off. Yes. Somehow even though like there are see, there is CG yes. behind them like you could feel it drop off. Yeah. Um I totally felt that yep. uh fairly frequently throughout this movie.
0: No, it's uh, yeah, I I just I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes that's probably fine because like we said it's very clear that like directorially, the des- the idea for the frames of this film mm-hmm. is that they are sparse. Right. So unlike, for example, sometimes, you know, I'll see this in a movie that's not designed to be sparse. You get that soundstage feel and it's really bad Right. because you're like, there's all this activity in the foreground and nothing exactly, in the background. Exactly, exactly. Blade Runner 2049 would be a good example of that happening. Mm-hmm. Happens a bunch of times in that film where like his he's not doing sparse stuff in the foreground mm-hmm. and then the background's like empty. mm mm-hmm. But um, in this movie, he keeps it sparse, always in the foreground. Always, yeah. So it maybe doesn't feel as bad that there's nothing going on the background, but it's still not yeah, great.
1: You know, I, I agree. It's definitely it's not it's not terrible or yeah, something. But it's I, not as
0: bad in this as it's been in other things. Not just him, other people. Yeah, too,
1: I right? think that's a that's a thing you see a lot now. You see it a lot just yeah. based on the way that CG is just what everybody does now for their their like larger environment stuff, and I you know. It's just part of it, I think. I
0: I, yeah, I don't know exactly why it happens, but it definitely happens. It yeah. seems to be a thing, yeah. So I don't know where we want to go with this. Did you want to talk anymore? About that? Did you want to move on to the editing? Which I mean, kind talk about.
1: I don't know. I I think. I mean, I think we both sort of agree, I guess, on on the cinematography a little bit on this. Yeah, I don't. Think I there's think there's, much uh, there's to say. a handful of like shot compositions that are kind of nice, interesting. Um, you know, he tends to really like these like strong, simple compositions. With these, you know, very sparse, minimal, you know, a couple figures in a shot. And he, you know, when you're doing like minimalist stuff, like it can be fairly easy to set up like a, a dramatic looking shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a few of those in the movie. Although in general, I would say, eh? Like, there's not a
0: lot of them. But yeah. like the, the first time that Baron Harkonnen goes up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's, it's kind of nice because you get this, he has these very long robes yeah, on. Yeah. That kind of make it's this very nice creepy. drapey quilt kind of look. Yeah, It's like a strong center line of the image and then, like, two black sides on either, you know, dark yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and stuff like that looks good. Unfortunately, like, even as I'm trying to say something to the movie, that scene is dumb because Baron Harkin is not going anywhere at that point, And there's no reason for him to go that high up in the sky. Yeah, just, so it's, it's pretty to show clearly the audience. we just wanted yeah. this shot. And they didn't motivate it at all. Oh, right? man, the most cringy um, one of
1: those for me. Sorry, this is a slight aside. You can go for it. At the end when, like, um... Paul, when he sees, like, a a vision of himself in the future, like, fighting, like, they pop out of the sand, they fight, and, like, there's this, you know, they're all wearing these, like, masks or whatever, and he, like, finishes fighting, and he turns to the camera, and he just, like... The, the face mask, like, comes up and he's just, like, there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, yeah. it, was, it almost made me laugh. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Anyway, but that was a, sort of a side where it's like, that. that's not a thing that anyone does or would happen. He's just doing it for the audience's sake. Like, it was weird. There's I don't
0: multiple of those <laughs> laugh out loud moments for me in this movie. Yeah. Most of them are when Hans Zimmer's horrid oh, score, man. which is probably the worst part of this movie, kicks in it's rough it has like basically like what amounts to a lion king level like opening of lion king level punch of Ah, a singer uh just just you know extemporizing uh, i mean i don't think there are any actual words that i would understand No, it's just just like it's just like either extemporizing or in some language i don't know um and uh they basically just like
1: they hit with that. <laughs> they with hit no with that other, with no warning, and it just sounds like there's suddenly a lady screaming in the scene. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And this happens again um, and again. Maybe I shouldn't say extemporizing. That's probably the wrong term. Uh, let's just say like there are vocals that are not designed to be understood. They maybe are very carefully Sure. Planned, it's just it's just but, a,
1: it's just a uh, like a, a yell basically,
0: and it's extraordinarily loud and piercing. Like it's mixed to be yeah. violently piercing. Well, the weird thing is, and when it I- happens. Every time that happens in this film, I chuckled. Every time.
1: Yeah, because when it hits at first, it just sounds like it's someone in the scene doing that. It does. And then eventually the other, like the rest of the music kind of comes <laughs> with it and you're like, oh, this is music. But it's like, that's, it's just, every time it hits, it's it's like off. It's weird. It's yeah. like, it, your brain is like, "Who who's shouting? <laughs> it
0: reminded me every time of uh, the musical Book of Mormon, which you haven't seen yet, <laughs> but they make fun of that aspect of Lion King in that mm. musical. Mm. So, I actually don't know that there's that much more about the music. I would say it's well, it's horribly screechy the entire time, very monotonous, like the rest of the movie. And every time they they did that stinger, I laughed. It's it's a horrible score.
1: I feel like you're forgetting to mention the one the other part, which oh, is the bagpipes. The bagpipes,
0: yeah, I have that written down. I was gonna go in that with story. Oh, the, okay, but, bagp- but, yeah.
1: bagpipes is story because yeah. Oh man, the bagpipes were an interesting choice. They w- they were. Okay, in the first scene where they're like leaving the ship, yeah, but when it hits, it comes back again in that like fight scene, and it's like because it's a very uh, it's like a positive sounding,
0: yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's
1: right, it's like it's it's like major and kind of like, yeah, and it it does man, it does not, yeah, you you gotta have
0: you gotta be a a bold composer to go for bagpipes, and Hans Zimmer is not good enough,
1: (laughs) yeah, and it's like an army of bagpipes, very bad, anyway, anyway.
0: Uh, I loved the fact that there were bagpipes because, again, like, I imagine that if you went in back and read the book that some of these things make sense. But, I you know, that doesn't – like, a movie – to for me, movies have to stand on their own. I, if your argument is, well, go read the book and then this movie isn't so bad, I just – I have no patience yeah. for that because you shouldn't have made a movie I mean, to me. Inle- yeah. Or you should have said – this movie isn't, for, like, put a big warning on the label that it says, that don't watch this movie you haven't read the books, which nobody ever says, right? Um
1: I think the other big issue, but, though, with the bagpipes is it's trying to, like, because of what I talked about before, visually, how all of the different groups of people, the different houses, yeah. don't feel any different. Like, you could imagine if the, the Atreides felt, if there's, like, visually in their world, in the way they dress, if there was more sort of, like... Culture there?
0: Well, this is what I was going to complain about. I see. I was literally just about to complain about that. I'm like, they literally do this thing where they're like, yeah, yeah, we've got a giant bull statue that we put, uh, I mean, a bull head that we put above the door that looks like bad lodge dressing from like, you know, 1870. We've got this little crappy modernist sculpture of like a bull thing. And uh, daddy says that grandpa fought bulls. So what you know, what culturally goes with bullfighting? Well, bagpipes, of course. Like, you know, everyone yeah. knows that there's tons of bagpipes at a bullfight. So from watching the movie, you're like, wait, what? Like yeah, I thought yeah. this was like Spanish-influenced culture or something, was what you were bullfight. And then no, you're like bagpipes, which is fine for a futuristic film because you know, if you want to tell me like, okay, these people came out of Scottish and Spanish culture or they're they're European generally speaking or right, something right, like that, yeah, that's fine. It kind of jumps me into one of my biggest complaints with this movie we will just kind of go all over place cuz that's you know there's so many complaints I'm going to yeah, just let it flow just let it flow man there is no freaking development of anything in this movie mm-hmm. they're like supposedly they're on their home planet or something i don't i don't even know if it's their home planet they're on a planet that they've been for a while they said they quote unquote ruled this planet with c and Air or something like that, mm-hmm. they said. Yeah, something he, he, like says, that. he says this and he's like in, you know, he's talking about how when they go to Spice World, they're gonna rule it with desert power. Uh, he talks about them ruling this planet. So it's either their home planet or like they came there, like someone, the emperor at a previous time said, go colonize this planet and they did or something. So I don't know, but they did that, right? Mm-hmm. The phrase rule this planet, as far as the movie is concerned, there's nothing there. Yeah. We see literally nothing on that planet. It's some cliffs. There's no indigenous population. There's no cities. There's no towns. There's nothing on it. Yeah. They're like, I'm like, what do you mean rule the planet with air power? What did you rule? Are there goats somewhere? Like, what <laughs> What are you ruling? There's nothing there. I, I, there isn't even an establishing shot that shows something there that we don't see.
1: Yeah, because the, the establishing shot of that Cal- Cal- Caladan... It's, it's just, just a bunch of clouds. It's just a cl- some low clouds in a mountainous sort of range and you're like, "Uh, okay, I mean, it's all right."
0: It's the most incompetent like expositional establishment I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's got to be the worst that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, cuz it gives you no sense it, of like what the actual role of the Atreides family is, like who they are, how their people see them, like how it, the, how, how they rule what they yeah. Okay,
0: this movie in the opening, in the opening of this movie, voiceover exposition dump,
1: mm-hmm.
0: temporally alienating exposition dump, mm-hmm. r- that's just like visual exposition mm-hmm. dump, right? Yeah. Dude watching a documentary exposition dump. Yep. At no point do they ever just show a freaking shot of life on that planet. Yep. It's It is seriously one of the most incompetent narrative constructions I've ever seen in a film. Ever. Nobody gets it this wrong. They used every single device they possibly could to convey basically no information and none of the information was necessary while at the same time in the first five minutes while they're doing all of those things completely failing to give you any actual scene information about where the hell you are and who the people are. It's really just... Like this is where I part ways. The cinematography I, is is what it is. This is just terrible. It's mm-hmm. just plain incompetent.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, and it's like, and it's not helped by the fact that the characters are all super flat, uninteresting. Well,
0: yeah. Uncharismatic. The with the exception, with the, the exception all, of yeah. of
1: Jason Momoa.
0: He brought a lot of life to this picture when he was on the screen. It felt like a different movie.
1: Yeah, like oh, like there are actual humans in this movie with like yeah. characters. Like, this doesn't feel like an actual, an actual place with actual people.
0: No, it never. Yeah. Um, And I think, but part of that too, like I said, I think is just, so this mistake that I just said where like the opening of the movie, they use every technique in the book, the ham fisted kind. that You really shouldn't be using voiceovers, flash forwards, flashbacks, stream sequences, uh, dude watching a documentary, which he does throughout the entire film. Yeah. They couldn't figure out how to tell this story at all. They were completely helpless at it. And then basic things that any filmmaker would know how to do. Show a shot from daily life. Watch Paul Atreides go shopping. I don't care. Anything. Just show me so, where does he live? What does he do? How does he act? They couldn't manage any of that. Yeah,
1: because it's also like, you know, you're supposed to... So the whole thing is like the emperor has kind of grown a little bit fearful, I guess, of the Atreides. Yeah, they, he thinks they called him
0: jealous. Jealous. And,
1: he thinks they're maybe getting too powerful. I guess. yeah. He, th- this is sad. He, um, and it, yeah, it would have been maybe nice to get a sense of like why that might be um, like... Uh, anything about the way in which they rule their planet that might give you information about... I just
0: wanted some evidence in the film that anything the characters were saying was true.
1: Right, This right. is a
0: film where if you didn't have the characters literally tell you what was happening, you'd never know. Because none of the things that are said are ever shown. Mm-hmm. We don't see them ruling that planet. No. We don't see it even being inhabited. Yeah. We don't see any of this happening at Spice World either, which is really Aracus. interesting to me. So let me just, just draw a, a comparison. Same exact thing happens on Spice World. Yes, In Spice World, they land in Spice World with their little uh, Jawa, the sandcrawler things. Mm-hmm. What are those things called? In Jawa? The, you know the Jawas drive around and then they sell droids at the bottom? Sandcrawler? That. Yeah. They drive around these little sandcrawler things. It look like they're from Star Wars. They have like a ton of those things. They land,
1: Mm -hmm. right? I guess Mm -hmm. they don't
0: drive around. They just kind of land them. Mm -hmm. And the general guy there, he basically gives them like this, the sit rep. Yeah. And they're looking out. He and daddy Atreides are like looking out over the city. And the general guy's like, there's the spaceport and there's the spice refinery Mm -hmm. and there's the blah. And as far as this movie is concerned, literally pointing at something that's like 300 pixels (laughs) on the screen three times at the outset of this thing was more than enough for them to establish that this is a city. Do we see any of those scenes in the city? No, we don't. Do we see anything happen in the city? No, we don't. Do we see any inhabitants of the city? No, we don't. Is there a restaurant, a clothing store, a market, an alley, a homeless shelter, anything? Never. They take five minutes of the film to watch Paul Atreides look at some palm trees from like the Stanford campus and talk to a dude about how they're not indigenous. That's the, si- that is the shot, one singular, that we get of the city. Everything else is either someone's bedroom or the place where they land their little dragonflies. Yeah. Ridiculous.
1: No, it's true. It's like you never see anything ever like never and everything is so empty
0: it's not a city it's a model it's a thing we showed you a picture of yeah it's 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 the same as saying hey this is the city we live in and pointing at a picture it's not a city
1: a picture with no people in it it's not yeah. a real city yeah
0: you just made that up
1: yeah it's it is pretty <laughs> weird it it's is terrible weird. and i don't know it's like again just
0: replace the, the thing with the palm trees with paul atreides going shopping Paul Atreides wants to buy an orange.
1: Well, no, or, or he's he's a you know, he wants to go see the, the you know, he's like a ruler, right? He's he's he wants to go see like what planet he's landed on. Yes. He, was, he was watching this documentary on this planet, and these yes. people like he's he's interested. Doesn't he want to go see?
0: Yes, that's why I said he goes shopping. He like, you know, oh dad doesn't want me leaving the compound, but I put my hood over my head and snuck out into the market to see how the people live. Five minutes. And suddenly it feels like a city. They could not be bothered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: They just, as far as they're concerned, if someone just says it's a city, it's a city. But that's not how movies work Mm -hmm. to me. The movie, the stuff has to be in the film. Saying something doesn't count, right?
1: No, I totally agree. So aggravating. This whole movie has such a feeling of like hollowness and emptiness. Part of it's the visual. It's a facade
0: of of a narrative.
1: It, well, it's everything. Everything lends itself to that. Like the, yes. a, the the performances, which I'm assuming is partly directing.
0: One would uh, assume.
1: The environment, the, the way it's shot and the the story itself and the script itself. Like everything gives this movie this feeling of just like hollowness. It feels like a non-experience almost. Like you come out of it and you're like, uh, okay, you know?
0: Totally. It's I mean, it, it just it feels like a movie didn't even happen when you're watching it. Yeah. It's very strange.
1: I know we're, we've got to be. I, I'm sure we're, like we're in the minority here. I don't know. It seems like people, because you know, you see people calling this like a masterpiece. I can't stuff. get I there. I can't get there. I don't understand.
0: Uh, like I would actually like literally argue with someone who called it a masterpiece, because normally if someone calls something a masterpiece, I'm like, well, you know, masterpiece is subjective. Yes. You know, I'll call something a masterpiece. You call something a masterpiece. It's like, well, you know, it's subjective. Of
1: course, movies are subjective. There's, They're always going to be.
0: But like calling something a masterpiece that has so many... Absolutely objective mistakes in it that are basic, like simple mistakes, seems pretty weird. It's like, yeah. it's like I don't know if you call it a masterpiece. I you could say you loved it. I have two, but a masterpiece. Have, this is not a masterpiece. I have
1: like two theories on people who say that. Okay, one is that maybe they just really like this style. Maybe it just clicks for them, right? Because
0: you could call it a visual masterpiece, and just it's like if, you really think it's beautiful. If you and, love that, and it, you do.
1: If you just love that totally visual fair. style, the other, my other theory on that. Is that if all you've ever seen modern movies, if you go to Dune, it probably does feel you're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this before. Because like, if you haven't watched like Lawrence of Arabia or right, the original right. Blade Runner or something, yeah. you know, you don't. You might think that like, because Dune definitely looks better and more thought through visually and interesting than like a Marvel movie. No question. Right.
0: That's true. If you compare Dune to an MCU picture.
1: You like oh, th- you were like oh it's a masterpiece. They both right? suck at the narrative, yeah.
0: right? Uh, MCU has much better acting typically yes. than something like Dune does. So yeah. I don't know about that. And better
1: characters. Better yeah. better
0: characters in acting usually. Yeah. You know, they 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 hire good actors and they let them do their shtick. They this movie feels like they're very yeah, toned they, down. They, right?
1: they at least allow some like personality in their characters, some lightness, some humor. And most just...
0: people in an MCU movie would be acting like Jason Momoa acts in this movie, not right. like the rest of the characters act. But, but you know. So most of the stuff is pretty bog-standard in MCU. It's it's pretty bog-standard these days in Dune, which mm-hmm. is to say very low quality. Mm-hmm. But the visuals in Dune are way better than MCU visuals because they're very deliberate.
1: Well, and MCU visuals right. in particular are just horrendous. They're just garbage on so, the screen,
0: yeah. They, they're very, like, gaudy. They're just kind of a mush. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of thought behind it. Whereas this one, it was very clear that someone yeah. thought about every shot and— I fully believe that each shot looked the way he wanted it to look. Like right. It wasn't just like, I don't know, whatever ended up on right. the screen is fine. Right? Um,
1: uh, I just think, you know, for me, it's like, I don't care for that visual style. And I also don't like how it doesn't support the characters or the, or the narrative yeah. in any way. It just, it ends It ends up with, a, and I think all his movies end up with that same feeling because the visual style is so samey and so like yeah. hollow. Like all of his movies for me feel just like nothing movies. They feel so empty and hollow.
0: Did he do Sicario?
1: I think he did. So That one felt different. I was going
0: to say, so I would say Sicario uh, actually felt less like that. Maybe because he's shooting in the real world more, um, yeah,
1: Sicario. He he did direct. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, <clears throat> that one didn't. I I I almost wouldn't have thought it was him. I mean, it's been a while since I saw yeah, it. I
0: didn't love that movie, but it's much better than this yeah, it's movie. Uh much better. Uh, yeah. So I would say directing wise, it didn't feel nearly as bad as as something like a Blade Runner twenty forty nine or a Dune, which which to me both felt really really yeah. bad. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Uh, I it, it. So he he obviously does do different things sometimes. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was a fluke, but you know what I'm saying? Well, it
1: could just be, too. That's an older one. Like, maybe as he's gone along in his career, he's felt like.
0: Well, also, it's it's not sci fi. So maybe when he goes sci fi, mm-hmm. maybe he's thinking these things are more. are supposed to feel weirder. They're supposed to feel different. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe just his brain goes there. You know, it could be that he. that's the way he wants it yeah. and he thinks of it that way. And it's like, you know, that's just what
1: it is. I think he just. I think he just thinks it looks cool. And I think for. You know, he likes this visual visual style. And it seems to me like that's what he's going for mostly. Yeah. Like, um, And I, I think the thing, too, is for me, it's like, I don't know that I hate that style for a couple scenes in the movie. I just don't like it for every scene in the movie. You know what I mean? It's
0: like... Uh, yeah. I would also say that, like, directing-wise, I would say the the quality of the framing and that sort of stuff, it ends there. So yeah. the other problem I have with a lot of this stuff is, like, motion inside scenes is usually also bad. So I don't like the way he puts shots together. Like uh, We're going to talk about editing in a minute because I think the editing is atrocious. Mm-hmm. But like a classic example of this in Dune would be a character introduction for uh, Duncan Idaho, so Jason Momoa's mm-hmm. ca- character. So normally you shoot this shot is the landing ramp comes down from his craft. He walks out and his helmet's on He's looking at the camera, he takes off the helmet, holds it by his side, and says like, hey Paul, how's it going? And gives him a big hug, mm-hmm. right? That's how everyone, every director in the history of time would shoot this shot, <laughs> it's just <an> obvious thing. <laughs> how does Denis shoot this shot? Well, Jason Momoa comes down the ramp, still wearing his helmet, so we have no idea who it is, walks past the camera, over to a box. He is now facing away from the camera, takes off his helmet while his back is to us, so we do not get the character (laughs) reveal, puts it down, turns around to face us for the first time in the film while Timothy Chalamet is blocking half of his angle. So it's like, (laughs) it's almost like you were trying intentionally to make a character entrance not occur. You're like, I really don't want to introduce this character, oh, turn the camera away, turn it away. I know, it's it's funny
1: too, especially- It's absurd. He he ends, like, he, for me, is the best character in the movie. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, like, he's the one you, I-, I found myself actually becoming attached to, and, like, you actually care when he he's dies. He's the only
0: person you can relate to in this film. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's the only one who feels human. Yeah. Um, everybody else just feels like...
0: Very wooden. Just a
1: cardboard cutout of yeah. a person. Um,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Even the Freeman, who are supposedly this, like, ragtag, like, you know, mm-hmm. resistance movement, they sound like aristocracy. They talk... In like very brief, like press release style (laughs) statements, it's very strange.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're and like this is also where like the Lawrence of Arabia comparisons really come in, because the Fremen are like are the Arabs, right? Right, right. They're the tribes of the
0: the Bedouin of the of the desert. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And uh, you know, even that whole final scene is is very similar to um, a really pivotal scene in Lawrence. you know, the first time that either that you know, it's the first time. I guess Lawrence of Arabia spoilers. Um, oh yeah, if you haven't seen it, but it, it, you know that final scene with the, the with Paul and his mother, you know, with meeting up with the Fremen. Yeah, Paul has to take a life for the first time. Yeah, um, and, and uh, yeah, yep. it, you know, and even the location looks really similar. They're both in this like rocky kind of like valley. Yeah. Um, the
0: Lawrence of Arabia one is so much better oh than Oh my god. That scene
1: is insane.
0: The scene's insane and the writing is much better. So
1: Yeah, cuz the whole situation know, of why of
0: why he has he to take has the to life kill is so much better. It's like
1: yeah. it's brutal. It's yeah. so brutal. And in this one it's just like Yeah. I guess it's just like the way of the desert. Yeah, no and, one cares.
0: I didn't care for a single second about any of the people in the scene. Yeah. And the and, and, and contrived it, ridiculous reason why he has to take the well, life and, is just dumb. and and
1: when he does it, it doesn't like, when, when Lawrence has to take that life- You, you know who it. the person is. And, well, you know who the person yeah. he has to kill is, you know how hard this is for him, and you yes. see what it does to his, yes. his psyche, right? Like, yeah. how, how it damages him yeah. as a person, as a human. And, like, Paul, is, it just doesn't. It doesn't have any effect on him. We also
0: don't know who he's killing, and he doesn't know who he's killing. So, like, it's not- The audience can't really even understand, like- anything about the situation that's totally like alien to them and well, it's and, like and, i guess and like yeah because we're supposed thing. to believe
1: that there's these like cultural reasons or something um
0: that we don't know about yeah
1: and it's just it, it, like comparing those two scenes scenes i think is just so interesting because they are uh so similar like i've got to imagine that this scene is, is probably inspired in, in, by the scene in dune was almost like based on or inspired by that scene from Lawrence, yeah. you can compare them visually actually too and, and how one works yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so much better.
0: Well, let's talk about the editing briefly yeah, yeah, and then we the can editing. move on to the story because like we've trashed all of the <laughs> mechanics of how this movie is made with the exception of the shot construction, mm-hmm. which we said we didn't like, but but don't think is bad, right? It's right. just, it's, it's its own thing. It's more
1: of a personal preference thing. It's a thing. personal
0: preference thing. So let's talk about the editing because the editing of this movie is, is utter garbage, I'm sorry, but it's just absolutely horrid
1: it's it's interesting. it's interesting
0: mistakes made repeatedly throughout the film, yeah, I'll start with the first one, and then I'll talk about the second one more because the second one was by far the worst. Mm-hmm. The first one is shots in this movie go out of order most of the time. Mm-hmm. so normally you would do something like have an establishing shot of something and then show the interior so that the person understands like. You know, that's just typical grammar, Yeah,
1: that's just basic film grammar, yeah. And the
0: only time you really do something different than that is if you're trying to show uh, the surprising nature of a person's location. So, in movies, typically, you show establishing shot, you know, sometimes you put the little title card down at the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, in this movie, they actually do do sometimes. Like, there was Mm -hmm. one time where they said, like, Keledan this is the and emperor's,
1: emperor's land. Something. <laughs> emperor's world.
0: In this movie, they'll often show the interior first. They'll show, like for example, in the opening, they'll show Paul Atreides waking up. Mm-hmm. Then they cut to outside. In this movie, the outside shot doesn't show you where he is. Right, right. So it's just an unrelated outside shot. Maybe he's somewhere under those clouds or there's a tiny thing somewhere in the shot I missed. But all I see, because they cut to it for a brief second, is just clouds with a little title card that says... Kaladin. Wherever they are. Yeah. Then it cuts to an unrelated scene. So it's interior... Close up. Close up. Unrelated exterior. No idea where the characters are. Cut to totally different scene, different room. Character is still there, but with a different person. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, it makes no sense.
1: It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. If
0: you would rearrange those so that you saw the clouds first, right? But they couldn't do that because they wanted Paul Atreides to wake up. Why do they need Paul Atreides to wake up? Because they needed to show a crappy exposition dump at the beginning of the film, right? It all, they're basically constantly compensating for their ham-fisted storytelling. Yeah creating a alienating series of images for the viewer because they couldn't put them in the correct order. Because you put them in the correct order, you couldn't show Paul waking up from your bad exposition dump that starts at the beginning. Right. Now, why you need to do that, I don't know, because you're about to watch a bunch of documentaries on a little frickin' multimedia CD-ROM from 1995 <laughs> playing in his bedroom, but whatever. So... That drove me nuts, and this happens all the time in this movie. They like shots will go out of order, mm-hmm. like like the way you would normally or- organize a series of shots. They like will swap, so it's like wait what? Or they'll intercut two
1: scenes so
0: in this ways is, that don't.
1: This is what I was noticing. Like okay. there was a few times where they did. <laughs> yeah, I have some the, notes on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. The one I can think of off the top of my head is when it cuts to after uh, uh, Oscar Isaac has mm-hmm. been like. He's about to die, right? Like he's, yes. he's sitting there like naked in yeah, the chair. I
0: have this one written yeah, down.
1: Because it's like it cuts to that suddenly. I can't remember what scene it cuts from, but it cuts to him just lying there in the chair. And then it like, I don't remember, like pans over. It's a very brief yes. thing. And then and you see, you know, I think you see uh, Skarsgård or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it immediately cuts back to the other scene. It was super short and it's nothing terrible. happened in it. Terrible. And I was like, it was just what? Like what?
0: It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. Here's the worst one of those. So yeah. in that same sequence, this is, it's it's one of the worst things I've ever, like, I keep saying it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I, I have no idea. Like, I almost never see this. Yeah. It's a very rare mistake to make because in, in an edit room, you can watch it. So I'm assuming most directors would just go, oh, that's too confusing. Just take that out or whatever. Yeah. Somehow that never happened here. Yeah. In that scene, Uh, that same scene, Uh, well, scene is, is hard to mm. say here. So in that sequence, yeah. there is a part where, Skarsgard floats over mm-hmm. and he's talking, well talking, quote unquote, interacting with Oscar Isaac. They're gonna Isaac's gonna about to poison him with the poison mm-hmm. gas uh, tooth. Yeah. Skarsgard looks down at Oscar Isaac. So it's POV, like to the side of Oscar Isaac, looking up at Stellan Skarsgard. Mm-hmm. Skarsgard looks down as if to look at whatever uh, Oscar Isaac is doing. Mm-hmm we then cut which is to what the audience would assume will now be over the shoulder scarsgard pov to see what oscar what he's looking at mm-hmm. that's what happens in every other film ever made right mm-hmm. cut to that instead we cut to an unrelated place an insert shot so it's someone's hands we don't know who opening a thing mm-hmm. for a good five seconds, I thought that was Oscar Isaac's hands doing something or something Mm-mm-mm. because we can't see any faces. It's an insert shot. Who cuts from a guy looking down at something to an insert shot? Yeah. You have no, you're so temporally and spatially alienated in this picture.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. It's weird because this is a problem I see a lot more in TV shows. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like you see this in movies very often. That that jarring, like, jumping around too quickly between stuff and, and never, it, like, it's just really weird.
0: Well, one of the other problems is because he insists on everything being, you know, monochromatic shot through an orange filter or right? Whatever. Everything
1: looks the same. So you when can't you do tell. a cut, yeah, you can't, you, tell. You can't it, like, tell. It's not yeah. like
0: one is cool lit and one is warm lit. So you always know you're flipping between two different scenes. Or the
1: lighting is different. It's always exactly the same. <laughs> or the sets are different. So
0: they cut between an orange Stellan Skarsgård and an orange Paul Atreides hands. And I don't know right. that 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 was what happened. Right.
1: Right? Or or in the fact that your environments all look the same. So yeah. that
0: was the second kind that I was talking about. At least. They cut these uh, between these insert shots, and I wrote down a ton of them here. I don't know that it's worth um, like belaboring the point, but like there were so many of these that like I actually like got tired writing them down. (laughs) It's like really, really common uh, in this movie, and that one was particularly bad. The other example that I. I looked through my notes and mm-hmm. I found the other one because I, I was like, there was another one that was like so bad I want to mention it because it wasn't just like oh yet another one of these sort of yeah, like weird yeah, insert yeah. shot cuts. It's just like not great that because that Scarsdale one was absurd. This one was also absurd. At the end of the movie, Paul Atreides, he's he's on the, the so the first half of this movie is like bunch of establishing crap I don't care about. The second half of this movie is like bad road trip with mom. Yeah, right is like that's how it's structured. Yeah, so in bad road trip with mom. <clears throat> At one point, they end up in a bunch of rocks because the scenery is either them in a bunch of rocks or them on a sand dune, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're a very, in,
1: a very dark, un, like black of co- sand dune with no color.
0: Yes, yeah. So they're in a bunch of rocks, and uh, they're walking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Paul Atreides looks; he looks like he, he, <laughs> his, his fo- focus shifts. He like he's like looking ahead, and then he looks to the side, mm. like he's looking at something. Then they cut to a bunch of freemen, or fremen, however you pronounce that, s- sitting on a rock, looking back at him. But they're, that's not what that was. That was some completely other place. They're not looking at him. Mm, mm, they, in mm, fact, mm. are on a completely different rock. And then it cuts back to Paul Atreides, and he keeps walking. This is a real thing that happens in this yeah, film. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's insane. And worse yet is there's a grammar for... Paul Atreides hallucinates. It's this like weird, fuzzy, like yeah, sparkly yeah. thing in slow motion that happens. This wasn't that. It just cuts to literally there's like a normal shot of these guys yeah, standing like, there. Is it
1: supposed to imply that they're watching him? Is it supposed to I have no idea Is it supposed idea. to be a vision he's having? Like is I don't it, it's know. it's really unclear. It's no, really I bad. I remember that one too. Terrible. I remember that one too. Yeah. It's
0: just absolutely terrible. I mean, I don't know what it was supposed to to yeah. Uh, established because it's just arbitrary. The
1: other thing that I, I, I found kind of annoying, like I get that Paul is supposed to be having these visions and that's a part of his character. I get that. But the the I found the visions in general to be extremely annoying and um, they did not help the movie at all, right? Like they didn't, I, I think randomly cutting to Zendaya's Absolutely. face a, a ton of times d- does nothing for this movie at all.
0: Well, the way I wrote it down is... We constantly see flash forwards or whatever you wanna call them in this film. I mean, it's a good it's gotta be a good ten percent of this film is is that. It's very long. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gotta be, you know, many minutes of this film are spent watching these flash forwards. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes the same flash forwards, like how many times I gotta see a knife in a sheath lying on some sand? Uh, apparently, four or five if you're right, right, or like a bloody hand
1: movie. or Zendaya, like her face turning and like wearing yeah. a cloak or whatever. Yeah, and
0: uh, it's like the movie constantly flashes forwards to some better movie that we don't yeah, see, yeah, exactly. right? It's like, it's like, hey, you're watching this really boring movie where nothing happens, but. Like, hey, you know, maybe someday, if you're patient, we'll get to a movie that doesn't suck. That's exactly what it feels like. It
1: feels like, hey, stuff happens in the future, so like, stick with us now because it's gonna get interesting. On the the next Arrested Development. The only thing that is making it interesting, (laughs) like, you don't care about the characters, but you're like, oh, well, maybe it gets interesting. Like, like, right? Make the characters interesting now. Make you care about them now. Yes. And, And not just by, like, you know, dangling something interesting in the future and being like, well, hey, maybe it'll get interesting. Like, that's such a weird choice. And it just doesn't really work either. Um,
0: it's not interesting because I don't care, right? That's the other problem is like you... The, Showing me visions of things that are going to happen is interesting if I'm really heavily invested in the story of the characters right? because it's a clue to where things might be going. And that's like exciting. Like I would imagine that in stories that really work for people like, you know, I don't know, like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, things like that, Mm -hmm. that like people were really into the movies or whatever. And I don't know. Heaven help us. Maybe that's Dune for some people watching this movie. I don't know. But like. Getting these little glimpses of a prophecy or something is like exciting because it's like, oh, I care about these hobbits and what they're doing, and now I've got this like, oh, how is that gonna come into play? Right in this movie, I'm like, I don't care. Uh, That that looks like some things are happening that that I don't know. I don't. We haven't even really gotten to anything interesting or like that so it's just the stuff that happens yeah. I, I guess I, think it you know, also, I don't care
1: I think it also probably diminishes those things when they eventually do end. if if and when you keep they, seeing them yeah because you've you've seen them a bunch they're not the kind of scenes that the context changes right like no that's a kind of flash forward where you think as a viewer you have like one understanding about it but then when you get to that scene your understanding of that scene totally changes yeah. right and that's a, that's like pretty interesting but yeah. these aren't the that kind of scene really they're just like well, my uh-huh.
0: assumption is, again, that basically this is a movie where it just leans way too heavily on the book. Like, yeah. it, it. I feel like it has that audience empathy problem yeah. where the people who worked on the screenplay don't – remember the fact that the audience half of them or more haven't read the book so they don't have the context for well, why th- this would be interesting and so yeah. what you see so if, we're, if we move on to narrative stuff now because it sounds like that's sort of where we are mm-hmm. so to me the narrative of this movie is just an epic disaster in that sense for two reasons both shot selection which i thought was horrid but also dialogue, which was also horrid. So the vast majority of dialogue in this movie, I, I might say all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, I might even go say it's just 100%, is dialogue which doesn't actually work if you haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they are doing things that would only make sense in the context of a story that you haven't seen. Yeah. For example, many times throughout this thing, a character will just say an abstract, bizarre quote. Mm-hmm. These quotes come out of left field. They do not match what is happening on the screen in any way. And they don't add anything to the story we're actually watching. Yeah. But I'm quite sure they were an important quote, like in the book or whatever. They would have made sense had you read the book because like that character says that memorable line mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah. Worst character for this is Josh Brolin. There's literally a scene oh, yeah. where we cut to a board meeting. A guy says one line, which is, "I got the Harkonnens' books." Josh Brolin then says an absurd quote, like that sounds like it's out of like the Bible or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And we see him having a little book. So I guess if you read the actual book Dune, you might know that this is a very devout guy or something. It doesn't really get established in this movie, but like at one point he's reading a little Bible, mm-hmm. like he has yeah. one, right? So yeah. I was assuming like, oh. If we actually had a real story here, this would be this guy where who we would have seen him going to church or something if they have that in this world, I don't know because we've never seen any location outside of a bedroom in this entire movie. So, like, I just don't know, but I'm assuming that that's what's going on. The same thing happens uh, with the uh, judge of the change. Mm-hmm. She spontaneously says a ridiculously complex quote at one time. It's completely out of character. She never does that again. Most of the dialogue is like this. Yeah. Either... It's something completely out of left field that makes no sense in the movie, but probably made sense Mm -hmm. in the context of the book. Or it's an expository hole fill. Yeah, yeah. Somebody says something about Spice because if they didn't, you'd never know because we never see anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we never see uh, people doing international, uh, sorry, interstellar navigation. So we don't know that you need Spice for interstellar navigation. So somebody has to say that at a completely random time that nobody would say that because everyone in this world would know that. There's no way you wouldn't know that concept in that world. It'd be like saying in this world, like to a a grown adult, alcohol makes you drunk. You're like, we all know that, but if that was a conceit on your world, some character has to say it because they couldn't be bothered to actually show it happening, Mm -hmm. right? So the dialogue is just terrible. I I hated it. I hated it the entire time. It goes right down even to mechanical operations. So for example, in one scene, they're going they're in like a a, a, a
1: little dragonfly flap
0: flappy. A little dragonfly thing. Thing, yeah. yeah, a little dragonfly thing. The dragonfly thing like is decommissioned like remotely. Like it's like they shut it off mm-hmm. using some kind of remote control system, I guess. Which we've never seen happen. And by the way, which doesn't happen to uh Duncan Idaho's chopper for reasons that are completely never explained. Mm-hmm. So basically, like they can shut off one chopper, but they can't shut off the other chopper because like, you know, they're just they're just that good at understanding the dragonfly controls or something. Maybe Duncan Idaho knows how to turn off the automatic shutoff and these guys don't. Maybe I don't know. Doesn't matter. Point being, they shut off the chopper, and so road trip with mom has to start. And He finds, like, or she finds, I don't remember who picks it up, a, like, backpack thing. Yeah, yeah. And the backpack thing is presumably what has, like, the tent and everything in it. Now, in a normal movie, when you were actually telling a story that you wrote and are trying to show this sequence of events, Mm -hmm. what happens is the thing lands, and you have two characters. So one of them says, we've got to get out of this chopper. Mm -hmm. They probably know where it is. The other one says, we're never going to be able to survive in the desert. The other one then says, "Look for something. There's probably a survival kit." They rummage through it. They find it, and they go like, "Okay, what does it have in it?" It's like, "Okay, this is a tent. I can use this." Mm-hmm. Cut to the next shot within the tent. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. In this movie, none of that happens. They just are rummaging through it for some reason. They pick the thing up, and then the guy says something from the book. He's like, "It's a gromblamblamblambliss."
1: It was like a frem kit or something. Right. Yeah. We don't know what that is. Yeah. The
0: only reason you would say that in this movie is because you read the book and wanted to think other people to think it was cool that you got this
1: thing. Well, and that's definitely how the flash forwards and all feel to me is like, they feel like a thing for people who read the book being like, hey, wink, you see this? Like, that's what it feels like.
0: (sighs) I'm sorry I'm yelling. This movie is so aggravating to me.
1: I mean, I think you you probably have stronger feelings on some of this stuff than on on like some of the... Yeah. Plotting and story stuff than I do, just because I think you tend. That's that's where you tend to like really focus. Well, and
0: dialogue. And I, dialogue. You know, and, I'm a, yeah. I, I want my dialogue to be good. I mean, and,
1: and I think for me, it all ties into like for me, it's the characters, right? Where like what what you're reacting to, I'm also reacting to, but I'm reacting to. Th- I'm I'm sort of reacting to more like the end result of like that, right? It's a
0: different symptom of the same disease. Exactly. Right? The exactly. disease is the same, but you're having one symptom and I'm having the other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, and so, yeah, f- for me, it's like sort of the manifestations of that; those issues come out in 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 just like these really boring characters who you have, can't emotionally
0: connect with them you at can't. all. Can't. You know. You
1: can't. And as as we said before, the only one I think you can is Duncan Idaho. I don't know. I mean, look, Dune is obviously notoriously difficult to adapt it's a huge world lots of characters lots of like political maneuvering and lots of mysticism and religious stuff and um and all these different cultures and whatever and i think so it's like it's obviously a challenging thing to adapt no question it's challenging but i just think of all the like missed opportunities here yeah um i mean yeah for me the, the big one that's so frustrating is just the like the lack of thought Put into the world design of, of these different places, like
0: which we also just don't see. I mean, that was the, the thing yeah, I was saying. Yeah, it's you like, never it's see, like yeah, yeah. There's the lack of of thought put into the design, but also we don't see most of it. We yeah. don't see anything on the originating planet. Mm-hmm. We don't see anything on Spice World. Nothing. Yeah, and I, we and never I, see I just, an interior of the city even once. Well,
1: and even the desert. I keep thinking back to Lawrence and how how different the desert feels throughout that movie, how many different types of desert terrain you see, how many different colors, <coughs> how many different feelings, right? You can get from how what locations you pick to shoot in in the desert and how yes. you decide to shoot them. You can get so much range from a desert. And this movie doesn't give you anything.
0: They also do really weirds. Like, again, I just can't emphasize enough how many... Basic movie things. This movie just doesn't do, mm-hmm. which is fine if you're like, if you're just a master of narrative, or so, if if you're Charlie Kaufman or something, um, or Quentin Tarantino, and you want to do something special with narrative, great, mm-hmm. because you're freaking like, you know, your galaxy brain, you're like twelve steps ahead <laughs> of me, and <laughs> go, f- it's gonna be great, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna watch it and be like amazed. But in this case, it's like the opposite. Like, if you're kind of remedial at narrative, don't avoid all the obvious things that movies do. Like, you can't afford it. You're not good enough for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening in this movie most of the time. Hey, we're going to have a spice harvester that gets threatened by a, uh, a worm. Oh, were you going to spend the five minutes to show one of the workers at the beginning in the city so I can see what the city looks like going to work that day so he's on the rig. Every other movie in the history of time, this is what those character cutaways are for. Hey, it's dude who works on the spice rig. He goes off that day. He says goodbye to his daughter so that someone gives a shit well, and, and, that a worm is and coming. It's, it's
1: like a win-win for that kind of thing because then you get to see more of the world. You get to see more you of the world. See,
0: what daily life is like You get for to these see people. what the
1: inside of the sand crawler yes. thing looks like. Yes. The, and And, and you, you know, there's even room there for finding out doing like little world-building things where you don't have to just exposition yes. dump, right? There's room there for like, yes. oh, maybe there we can find out more about what Spice is for because of yes. something. You know what I mean? It's just, those are the opportunities for storytelling.
0: Yes. The little TV in the background in the kitchen is talking about how Freeman's attacked the outer thing again. And and the, the wife is like, oh, those bad Freeman. And the husband is like, I don't know. I think there's something to it. any. This is all trite and obvious. So you're not going to win any awards for it. But if you... So that's why I say, like, if you're above that, if you're just a freaking master, great, don't do that stuff. You've got better techniques. You've got better ways of doing it. And I'd love to see him, right? Totally. But if you can barely manage to tell a story, which is where this film lands on the, like, ability to write a screenplay, you can't... Just, just do the yeah. right thing because then at least we understand. Yeah,
1: Because I right? feel like... I almost feel like the direction that he was trying to go... That Denny was trying to go is like almost like mythological or like religious, like trying to portray these characters as just like, like, as everything, not real. Yeah. yeah, everything feels just like fake. fake. Like, it's like as though, as though he doesn't want these, any of this to feel real. Yeah. He wants it all to feel like it's some sort of religious thing or something. Yes. Like, these are, these are, this is the story of like Jesus or something. Yes. But, you know, without without and intentionally being like we don't want to humanize these characters. Like we want them to feel distant yeah, and and alien yeah. and strange. Like that's how we want everyone to feel. Yes, and I think that I get. I think that was like probably intentional, which um, is nuts. Yeah, because I mean, I can see doing that for for say like how you might portray the emperor, which we who we never see, or even Baron Harkonnen. Right, right. Like there are characters <clears throat> who you want to feel that way about because. They're they're frightening. They're alien. They're like they're not people you're ever gonna get to know, well, and that's part of what makes them like scary, right? Is that that feeling of almost being like godlike or beyond reach? Like there are characters who that's fine for, but when you're just treating everyone in your movie that way, um, it just it's weird. I don't know.
0: It's especially weird when you look at like Baron Harkonnen mm-hmm. gets like more character development than. <laughs> A yeah, kind of, of. A lot of the protagonists. Yeah, yeah um, no, no. Which is a bit strange, uh, but yeah, it's it's very very weird. Uh, I I just don't understand it. I think the storytelling is an absolute mess, and not because there was too much to cover, because there wasn't. No, uh, in some ways,
1: I actually think they pacing wise and and in terms of like taking what was in the book and making it into like I actually think it was all right. Um, obviously, like I. <laughs> It's a little weird where it cuts, right? Like the movie doesn't feel quite like a movie. It doesn't feel
0: like a movie. It feels, it feels like, the like first a first episode of a something. TV. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: why I say I think this Dune needs to be a TV series. Um, yeah. It cuts in just as it doesn't feel like movie pacing or movie, you know. But yeah, at, the, no. at, the, at the same time, it's not awful. Like, I don't know.
0: So there's one and only one scene I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the escape from the dragonfly. They get oh, where they, the,
1: they use the voice? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so, this, I, that was pretty uh, good.
0: So if I had to categorize... So so, like I said, I think all the dialogue is bad. There's no, there's no good dialogue in this movie. I think it's all bad. Uh, there are no good scenes in this movie, other than the one I'm about to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think they're all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the reason for that is because most of them are avolitional. So mostly what happens in this movie is just a scene is shown. That scene bears no... nobody in that scene is doing anything that's relevant to anybody, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, hey, there's a boardroom and some people say some stuff and then it's the next scene. Mm -hmm. There's no people trying to do specific things or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, they had to have this scene and someone had to say something so that the next scene could happen Mm -hmm. because someone had to say, let's go look at the spice field before we go look at the spice field. But at no time do we ever feel like people are like solving problems or like, Trying to do something and failing or succeeding, that just doesn't really occur. It's just stuff happens and off you go. Mm -hmm. The reason that I thought the dragonfly escape was actually the first and only good scene in the movie is because it's the first one where we can understand a complete narrative element. Mm -hmm. We know what is happening. We have been told earlier in the movie that Baron Harkonnen cannot order them executed directly. So he's going to try to have them dropped in the desert so that they'll just kind of die in mm-hmm. some unrelated way. It's like
1: a technicality. It's like a loophole.
0: And that's the best he can come up with. It, the movie doesn't really explain why that works because the Benny Gesserit, especially that like weird tall hat lady... Is sort of portrayed as people who would be very hard to lie to in that fashion. People are, in fact, very afraid of this happening. They talk about that. Well, on so, the, and in the
1: scene, he literally says, like, we might have to face, face like a truth sayer or truth-sayer,
0: something. A truth yeah. And so, you know, I'm not really clear why this would work. Because it is very overt and are dropping someone intentional, in the desert. And yeah. everyone is knows that they're doing it. So why it would make more sense for them to be able to get away with it this way is not clear. Maybe they just think they won't get asked. I don't know. But point being, that was stupid, but at least it's set up. Mm-hmm. So I know that we're going into the desert to do this. So the audience knows that the characters are in trouble. They know why they're in trouble, right? Yeah. Now... We've established that they have this thing they can do where they can say the voice. But we also established earlier in the movie that Paul's not great at it yet. Right. So we know there's a little bit of a a thing there where he doesn't know.
1: It's it's that kind of classic moment of like the character has to do the thing. He has to to
0: do the thing. To get out of the situation. Classic narrative. Well done. You have the earlier scene in the movie to establish that. Good on you. Right. Traditional narrative. Done correctly. We also know that the like women generally are the only people who can do this. They don't teach men. Uh, it's not really said why, but but it is said that then it just hurts
1: just all women.
0: So they have gagged her, yeah. but not him, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yes. There's actually a logical reason why that would occur. Yes, right. And then we get to see a nice scene play out where he has to try to do the voice and he does the smart thing with it, mm-hmm. which is if he can just manage to get them to take her right. muzzle off because she's way better at it, mm-hmm. then she can basically manipulate them, which is what she does. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that whole scene was the only time in the entire movie that felt like a real scene. Totally. We set uh, yeah. something up. W- the audience knows what the stakes are. They know the abilities of the character and what. Might or might not work. They put a one deaf character in there so that you can't manipulate him, right? It was just really well done in the whole way that it was worked out. It was the first time the movie felt like they actually cared about telling an actual story in. A movie
1: no it's totally strange how that that scene feels so different it feels like
0: it's out of a different movie
1: exactly it feels so different than the rest of the movie um and you got the it, sign
0: language in there
1: oh it's and it's really good yeah it's just really good and i like the effect of the voice like i like that the audio effect that they do um and the idea of it is just cool like um dune is filled with like cool ideas i love the shields another thing i liked um the they concept look cool. the, they, the visuals was like cool but i like the concept of them a lot yeah and it, it kind of is a fun way of like justifying why you'd be using swords in this like future world. So like there's lots of like cool ideas. Um visually, uh you know, what? there's one scene I really kind of liked the scene as well. Not the whole scene, but parts of it, when the um Arrakis gets attacked, when the, the, the big attack comes at night. Um mm. and ever like all the bombs are coming down and all the ships are getting blown up and there's just tons of explosions. It felt, like, really dramatic just because, it, you know, everything was getting destroyed. Um, yeah. The whole scene itself didn't necessarily work um, when there was any humans involved. Like, when they were running, you know, when the, the music kicks in, The like we were talking about before. Like, the, you know, the um, I guess it's sort of the Atreides theme, if there is one in this movie. The yeah. bagpipes. When that kicks in, it just doesn't work. All the guys running, I, it just doesn't work for me. But I do think I... The the visuals of just like all of those ships getting blown up. Uh I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of effective because it's so dramatic and big and like everything's getting blown up. I don't know.
0: I mean, it 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 was kind of okay. It kind of just looked like we had a little fight in the parking lot to me. Like I didn't I didn't really love it. Um, but more importantly, like narratively, I just hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh because if you don't read the book, maybe the book explains the stuff, but it made, like, no sense. I, I couldn't understand anything that was happening. I was like, okay, so basically, like, you've got guards. The guards don't have shields. That doesn't make any sense to me. I have no idea why that would be. Well, I, um, I was
1: also specifically talking about I, not any scenes with humans, just scenes. Oh, right, yeah. Just scenes where, like, the big crawlers and stuff are getting blown up. Yeah. Anything external. I just thought they were cool explosions and I liked the, yeah. I liked the visual effects okay. of like of the stuff getting blown up and like hitting the shields and then breaking through the shields yeah, yeah. and like I don't know. I just thought that was kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it was alright. I just didn't care cuz it just didn't make sense. I was like, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm not in- sure that
1: I cared, but I just from okay, spectacle yeah. for spe- like, okay. spectacle wise I thought it was a good spectacle.
0: All right. Um and I also felt like there just weren't enough people.
1: It's always a problem in this movie, um, yeah.
0: Like, it was like, okay, there's supposed to be this massive battle, and there's like 12 dudes. And it's like, eh. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of
1: guys running. Like, when they're running with the explosions behind them, that looks terrible. It looks
0: terrible. It, it, like, it doesn't look like those, like, Lord of the Rings shots where they were like, okay, there's just like a crap ton of guys. Mm-hmm. There's like infinite orcs and infinite humans. So I get it. It's like a giant battle. This one's like, all right, there's 50 dudes total. And they're like on a stairwell or something, and I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah, it's weird how it didn't feel like a big battle this, at all. Like the more, the bigger the movies get these days, the like less the the smaller the scale seems to get. <clears throat> yeah, if that makes sense. Like you watch something like Lawrence of Arabia again, and just the scale of it, um, with just the number of people, and and it just feels huge, right? Like it feels absolutely epic, and. uh and something gets, like, lost a little bit when you don't have that scale in a film, but you're trying to tell a story that, like, wants to have that scale, right? This, these worlds feel empty, as you've said a million times. Like, it doesn't feel like anyone lives here. Um, it doesn't feel like there's anybody – these armies feel tiny, um, it's just, it doesn't, it, you know, you're, tr- you're trying to tell the story about these like epic warring families yes. on this galactic scale and, and it just feels like there's no people.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of the shots are like one guy in a giant room with nothing in it. Yeah. And that just like, does not feel epic.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: it feels like incredibly empty and you know, the entire movie definitely feels that way, whether, whether it's that or giant hangers with nothing in them. There's like three, you know, planes at a hangar the size of like a Boeing construction yard. And you're just like, again, it just feels like, it, it feels almost like a deserted area. It's like, if you were telling me that this was an army occupying, like it's it's the like remains it like, of, of a force civilization. Yeah, yeah. occupying an area that no one lives anymore. Yeah. I would believe you, but this supposed to be both the place they start, which is the planet they ostensibly are ruling currently and the spice world it always just felt like there's no one there yeah it was just it was just a abandoned
1: yeah yeah
0: you know um and i i also didn't understand the the fundamentally the conflict between the fremen and the harkonnen originally because i don't they just have a city and they harvest a little spice around with their little harvesters What's the conflict? It's a giant desert. Who is going out into the desert and bothering the Fremen in the first place? I don't know. Um, I didn't understand any of that. Uh, And so when the Atreides showed up and they had the meeting with the Fremen and he was like, you know, we can totally get along. I'm like, yeah, I would think you just could. Like, what's the – so they didn't establish that conflict either. They just – you're just supposed to know that there is one. It's like, I don't know why. Um, The Fremen don't use the spice. It's not like they were doing anything with it. So I don't know. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Well.
0: I imagine there was something like, oh, the spice fields are where their settlements are. So we had to like bulldoze their settlement away or something like would have been nice to see. Never saw it. So we just don't even know why the conflict is occurring. Again, despite all the exposition dumps, they they couldn't be bothered to actually tell us like the information that would have been useful, which is why this conflict is happening um, in the first place. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like we keep, you know, there's there's so much you could just keep going on and on about. Yeah. But at the same, you know, I think we have basically said
0: we've covered all the main. And I mean, bits. I mean, we're
1: really hating on this movie, and I I know there's going to be a lot of people listening yeah. who strongly disagree with us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm sorry. Um.
0: I want to keep bagging on it.
1: You want to keep going? No, right, I'm not just, done. I'm sure, Unless I say, we could just keep, all right, keep going.
0: So I would also say that I don't know if these parts are from the book or if they're like a screenwriter stepping in, you know, like to do, to, to like flourish here or something. But I also noticed things that just plain don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, like they're literally like, (sighs) there are very few times when anything, anyone says anything colorful in this film. It's Mm -hmm. very rare, Right they either say a very hackneyed sounding quote that feels like comes from something we don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. right? Just like some holy book or something. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Or they say very stilted, literal lines that just tell you what's happening in the story because otherwise you wouldn't know. But like the one or two times when someone actually says a line of dialogue that like it sounds like someone actually wrote, it was like nonsensical. I was like, what? So at one point, for example, I wrote these down. Someone says, our plan bears fruit. Mm. And then another uh, person in the room, I think it's Oscar Isaac. I think it's the general says our the plan general, goes yeah, through. yeah, the gut. And uh, Oscar Isaac mm. says, but it will take time. You know, <laughs> no. Fruit I, is what did, happens I, after the time. Dude,
1: dude, I had the same reaction dude. to that. I had the same reaction. I was listening. I I had I because as soon as you said that line, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. The the our plan bears fruit. It's like, wait but it will take time, but it already bird fruit. So, and it didn't seem to actually, like, I don't know. But it doesn't
0: make sense. Fruit is the the results of taking time. Once something bears fruit, you have the fruit. That's what bearing fruit means. It's called budding. If you're getting flowers that you believe (laughs) will come to become fruit. Do these people get English degrees? I don't know. Well, because Denis, don't Denis, they cover this stuff somewhere? Denis
1: well, he's I guess he's French Canadian, right? He's okay. not French French. He's French Canadian. So maybe, maybe it's just uh, is just, you know, French is his main language. I don't know.
0: But this it doesn't matter what language you're saying it in. It's it's a core concept <laughs> I know, I of know, botany. I know. <laughs> we all know how fruit works, don't we? So that was kind of nuts. The same exact thing happens again with Baron Harkonnen. We're supposed to think it's like this super cold diss when like he comes in and like the doctors there who like, you know, this this great family that's been around for like billions of years and has an infinitely awesome military can literally be completely destroyed by one doctor guy. That's how good their security plans are, which is absurd, right? Completely ridiculous. And because his wife has been kidnapped, Mm -hmm. Like,
1: wouldn't, wouldn't that come you out have of security any idea, screening? like, yeah.
0: if the CIA found out that one of their agent's wives didn't come home, presumably that's, like, red alert. They're like, okay, don't give that guy any more information. He may have been compromised, right? It's like, <laughs> here they're like, yeah, his wife has been kidnapped. By
1: the Harkonnens. By the
0: Harkonnens. <laughs> Apparently they can communicate that to him. We don't know, and we don't know where his wife is. We just thought his wife was on vacation for a while, apparently. Nobody thinks thats it's just absurd. It's a ridiculous story, <laughs> just absolutely pathetic. Anyway, so supposedly that happens, And he betrays this house because apparently it takes one doctor to destroy an entire giant family for generations because they've never had the concept of sabotage or an inside (laughs) actor or anything like that. You know, because that rarely happens in militaries. So anyway, they don't have a way to deal with that. And he goes to Baron Harkonnen and he's like, you said you would release my wife from uh, her suffering and I could join her. And he, Baron Harkonnen goes like, so join her and kills him. Psych, Right? Yeah. But if that was the case, then that means he had already killed the wife. right? Right? Right. But we never, that never actually happens. So it's not much of a sick burn to tell the guy that because it's like, Okay, like I guess, but if that's the case, it means that you didn't actually hold up your end of the bargain. It's not really a sick burn. You're just kind of saying you're a liar, which we probably already knew. It just doesn't work. It's, like, not an actual satisfying line, right? It's not a play on words that's really clever, like, oh, you <laughs> got me with the with the cheaty death lines. It's just stupid, right? It's, like, no, not actually. Like, also, you're not really releasing her from her suffering now if <laughs> she's already dead. That happened earlier, right? Oh like, God. at some other time. It's just not. It doesn't work. Like they wanted to have this clever, like line. It's just dumb, mm-hmm. right? It just doesn't. It's not clever. It's just kind of blunt and and pointless. So anyway, there's just a lot of that kind of crap happening in the movie. It's like they thought a line was interesting. It's not interesting. It's just kind of boring or wrong. Right. And it just well, aggravates. There's, there's
1: another funny one that at the very end, um, the, one of the very last shots. Yeah. They're walking along and they see the the like the person riding the, the worm, worm rider. Riding. And, uh, and, uh, I think his name is Chani Zendaya. She, like, looks back and says to him, like, it's only just beginning or something. And it's like, that's not...
0: Yeah, it's an audience line. This uh, is only the beginning, meaning we hope we get to make the sequel.
1: Well, but it's also, like, for her, like, what does that even mean? Like, why would she suddenly think that, like, based on everything that's happened from her perspective so far, like... Why would she say that to him? It just, it was really, it struck me as so weird. Like, it was, it was another one of those, yeah, it's like, this is for the audience. This is not something the character would ever actually say in this situation. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, it doesn't make any sense, but, I mean, it sort of does in one sense, which is that, like, she's trying to say, like, there's a lot of cool Freeman stuff that you don't know about Mm -hmm. is kind of how I interpreted that line, right? Again, only really for the audience, because it doesn't make a lot of sense, she would say at the time, but...
1: Well, and also it's like it, 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 to me, my I think my issue, too, is it shows this like level of like familiarity almost with him where
0: it hasn't been established. Yeah,
1: I think because at this point, yeah, you know, he's just killed one of their people. And even though it's part of their custom to make that mean, that means yeah. he's accepted now. I mean, they don't know him. She no, doesn't know him. Presumably she'd be pretty untrusting, you'd think, uh, at this point. And so it's totally like, agree. it was a it's weird thing for her to, like, smile and be like, hey, yeah. this is only just the beginning. Yeah. As though, Old like, chum. she, as though, as though she somehow knows that, like, he's been seeing visions of her, like, you know what I mean? It's no, like- it's,
0: it's terrible. It's, it's, it feels like, oh, we were childhood friends together. And then we reunite. And it's like, I have so much to show you. That's the emotion of the scene. And you're like, no, actually, you just killed her friend. And uh, she doesn't really even like you, as far as we can tell. Yeah,
1: and especially earlier in this, you know, the first time she encounters him, she's like, I would kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, 10 minutes later, she's like, welcome! Yeah, It's just, I don't know, man.
0: (laughs) I I have a separate complaint about that whole situation, Mm -hmm. because we haven't really talked about that part of the movie, but I thought that was all terrible. Because one of the central conceits that I'm supposed to believe about this movie is that, like... Yeah, you know, the Freemen might not be, like, super technologically advanced because they don't have the same kind of resources because they come from a desert planet that's relatively impoverished mm. and they have to worry about water all the time and all this stuff. So they haven't built, like, giant spaceships and, you know, command and control centers and this sort of stuff because they the resources don't exist for them to do so. Yeah. That's kind of my understanding of their civilization. I mean, it wasn't really established, but something like that. Yeah. Right? But the idea is supposed to be that, but they're like super badass at desert things. So like, you know, they can ride the worms and they can hide under the sand for a long time or something. Maybe if they have little snorkel things that they breathe through, I don't know, it doesn't matter, point being. So the idea was supposed to be that like, well, if you encounter these people in the desert, they would just kill you because they're really good at that and whatever. That's, like, the kind of central conceit of the movie, and I more or less bought it because that's just kind of what's told to me. I don't see anything that really contradicts that for quite some time. We see that their, like, suits are really kind of cool. They can, like, recycle the water. Um, and like I said, we see them, like, hiding in the sand, mm-hmm. completely motionless, and they can somehow breathe under there mm-hmm. with something. So that's, like, something that's tech that other people don't have or technique that other people Maybe don't have. mean, they
1: basically have right? the ability to survive and thrive in an environment that no one else right. does.
0: Right. So, what happens when we actually meet these people? Literally, their leader... So, it's the leader and the people he travels with get taken out by, like, a lady who doesn't even have to voice them. Right? She literally... She can hand-to-hand out combat their Zenith warrior and his band of people I mean, he's maybe not the best warrior because he's just the leader. But and like, he's older too. whoever yeah. he's traveling with, right, can get bested by like one lady, unarmed, and her kid who doesn't really do much. He doesn't even have to like like he sort of does this one thing where he grabs a gun out of someone's thing. I think mm-hmm. it just makes him feel pathetic. And then the very next scene yeah. after that, someone who we're told is a good warrior gets beaten by someone who's literally never been in a fight before. He's only ever had practice. Yeah. He's never had to actually fight a person in real life and he kills him trivially. Yeah, it's, he it's, is not even threatened once by this man. It's also
1: it's back to that like show versus tell thing of like, you know, uh Duncan Idaho when he returns from hanging out with the the Fremen says he's like this is the best fighters I've ever Yeah, he's like I
0: almost got killed once. And I've never and had so, that happen before, right?
1: Yeah, and so, like, you're told that, but, yeah, what you're actually shown— is these people
0: are pathetic. They can't fight—they cannot fight a lady and her child who, as far as we have seen so far, are not master warriors. We they've do know been, that they They've the... also
1: been stuck in the desert for, ha- like, a few days malnourished. And, malnourished and tired and— Exactly.
0: We do know that the lady is trained in martial arts because we sort of see her—she does some cool footwork— to like disable one of the guys in the dragonfly. So she, it's not like she's just a random person who's never had any training. No, I mean, you know. But know. She's, she's still a small stature. She's not she's not Duncan Idaho, right? She's not a brawler. We know
1: that the Benny Gesserit, though, are like, are kind of like, we, you know, like we don't really know what they're capable of, but we get the sense that they are extremely powerful, right? Like that they're kind of.
0: But not that way. Like, yeah, I they're didn't more get... like
1: behind the scenes puppet master manipulating kind and of, and they
0: can do voice manipulation. They That's can I'm do saying, they're, these they're more magical like things. Yeah, but y- but they weren't like built up to be like the best Spiders, like yeah. kung fu masters of their generation or I something. I I could
1: maybe buy that he was underestimating her and so didn't you know was unprepared to actually fight. You know,
0: I guess. Either way, it just made them feel extremely weak, especially yeah. when it's two scenes back to back. So right, she exactly. just totally disarms them well, and and,
1: it's, and and it's the first time we're ever seeing them. And and the previous scene we also saw is them getting absolutely annihilated by the Saudercur or whatever, too. So like all we've seen actually with the Fremen. Is them being is completely them being, pathetic. Is them getting demolished. So yes. um uh, yeah.
0: so badly, in fact, that like the uh, the judge of the change lady She gets stabbed from behind and isn't even aware that anyone's there. Yeah, yeah. That's how incompetent she is, right? These are people that are supposed to be, like, hyper-tuned to, like, vibrations so they know that they're not calling sandworms. And, like, a bunch of dudes who've never set foot on this planet before walk up behind her and kill her. Now, that scene is amazing on so many levels (laughs) because also they kill her from behind. They have no idea who they just killed. They literally just shove their knife into the back of someone. Because everyone in a Freeman outfit basically looks the same. They have they're basically completely covered up yeah, and yeah. all the suits are identical. They don't have a giant thing on the back that says. Well to be fair
1: though, I don't think the they would care who they killed, right?
0: Oh, oh they but wait.
1: Because they they what if they ac- okay.
0: They shove their knife through the back of this lady and she falls over. And the first words out of this random guy's mouth, who's just some soldier, going around shoving knives into the back of random people, is, you disobeyed the emperor. Yeah, yeah. How the hell do you know who she is? Oh, the one guy who, like, got the orders and saw the dossier that has this (laughs) lady's picture on it happens to be the guy who randomly walks up behind her. Out of all these people, (laughs) we just saw, like a good 75% of your battalion killed, but the dude who's outside, he's not even in there chasing <laughs> after the other people. The guy who's outside is the one who like runs the mission and has, has permission to talk to people about who they betrayed. What is happening? <laughs> it's so lazy. It's like the worst writing. I mean, these are people who are getting, like, little blood labels on their head in a giant generic ceremony where it makes it very clear that they are not independent actors. Like, they are not people who are sitting around making decisions. Yeah. They're soldiers. Yeah. A, he doesn't know who that is. And B, if he did, he doesn't know she betrayed anybody. Like, that's not information that would have been important in this situation that you would have told, hey, uh, maybe, now maybe I'm exaggerating here. Maybe this actually means if you happen to see a lady with dreadlocks and bright blue eyes and you stab her in the back, tell her she betrayed me. Because I'm really mad about that. Now, I don't know that yet because I'm on a different world. And the only way I could have known that that happened is if I was actually there at the time. But don't worry about it because I'm still going to send word to, like, all of my troops to let them all know that I just found out that somebody betrayed me. And I'd like you to convey that message for me. It's freaking ridiculous. It's so garbage writing
1: we have unlocked i think for the first time on the movie club we have unlocked a casey rant
0: yeah i hate this lazy crap it's i hate it when dialogue goes into mouths of characters that's just what the writer knows at that yeah. time yeah but those people would either have no way of knowing or vanishingly zero percent chance like yes it is possible that somehow what happened is that somebody back at the base as they're cleaning up the wreckage finds something that lets them know that the judge of the change betrayed them and sends word to all the people to go find her specifically and puts the thing on the... Right, blah, blah, blah. And then that's why he knew. And he just happens to be a very loyal soldier and was personally affronted at her decision to betray people that way. And when he stabbed her in the back, not knowing it was her, and she fell over and turned around, he really quickly recognized, having never seen this person before, but having seen the the one little shot on their dashboard or something that came across with a notice, went, aren't you the judge of the change, didn't say that line, and skipped directly to, you have betrayed the emperor. And then if she had said, what? She'd be like, oh, he would have been like, sorry, I mistook you for a different person. The resolution on these little copter screens isn't great. (laughs) Like, maybe that would have happened. Okay, great, Denny. Maybe that's what would have happened in the screenplay. But kind of, I doubt it. I think what happened is that's what you wanted someone to say. So you just put it in the character that was closest to her at the time. And you never bothered to think about whether that person would ever say that for any reason. Or even know to say that for any reason, let alone say it. Wow. Garbage. Absolute garbage. That's why I hate movies nowadays. Yeah. I just, they, they lost, like, they used to be written more like plays where the dialogue and the scenes have to add up to something because there's not much else you can do. Yeah. You can't hide it with a bunch of, like, special effects and cuts and different scenes right, right. and music to, like, to fix the fact that the story doesn't work. They used to be written so the story worked. And now it's just garbage. It's garbage, garbage, garbage on it the screen feels all the like, time. It
1: feels like that particular kind of writing. It's almost like a lost art or something.
0: Yeah, it's go. It, it's it's basically gone now. It's very rare that you see it. Um, mm-hmm. You do see like like I said, you know, Charlie Kaufman, Quentin Tarantino. There's guys who are like still writing stuff very carefully. Um, yeah, it's not that it's. But, a, it's
1: not that it never happens anymore, but it's like. You know, it's, it's very rare. Yeah,
0: It's especially rare in blockbusters. Right, 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 right. Because it used to be very common that blockbusters would be written fairly carefully, yep. which is, you know, a weird thing to say. But if you go back and, you know, you don't see a lot of this kind of stuff in like, you know, in a Jaws or or even like Home Alone we've mentioned before. They're written to actually make sense. Yeah. The dialogue makes sense. The reason the scenes happen makes sense. They're like, all... Well, and the
1: characters only the, know what the characters would know. The characters know. only know what
0: the characters know most of the time. And when that didn't happen... When there was a time when that didn't happen, it was like a plot hole. Like, people identified it. They were like, oh, that that shouldn't have happened. It was like, that's the one thing in the movie that shouldn't have happened. Now it's every scene. Every yeah. scene is its own plot hole, basically. It's just people saying stuff that they shouldn't know or that they wouldn't do except for the fact that we know that the next scene has to happen and it's just terrible well,
1: and as we've talked about before, you know, you're obviously very, very sensitive to that stuff. I am less sensitive to that stuff, yeah, if <clears throat> other parts of the movie are working and right and and in this case, you know, for me, the other parts of the movie are are also not working, and so it's just yeah. you know, eh, you know, not my not my kind of thing, not my movie, and it's just it, you know i really I read the book, I really liked it, you know, this was a while ago, but okay. Um, and, uh, I love, I love like sci-fi and big, you know, big blockbuster movies. Like, you know, I wish I loved this movie. It's my, it's it's like, it's like the genre of movie that I most would like to watch. Right. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is my jam, this kind of movie, but, um, not this one. So, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. Do you?
0: I mean, I could go on forever because there's. So I, many I of think, those things. I think in there. we're gonna
1: have to. I think we should. We should oh. wind down. I think we should wind down. All right, then you I'll made just made your point. You've I'll just quickly
0: point. mention that there's a ton of that kind of stuff that happens well, in sure, the movie yeah. too, right? Especially so. One of the worst ones. I'll end on the one of the worst ones of that. Um, so one of the worst things in this movie, and I just have absolutely. I don't even know what's supposed. What I'm supposed to believe happened because I have no idea. So one of the things that happens in this movie is there's a scene that takes place. uh, It's actually just the scene before the lady gets stabbed in the back and the person magically knows who she is Mm -hmm. because of the all points bulletin that we don't see. So, Apparently, like, they're at this thing that's an environmental station, I think she calls it, or a decommissioned environmental station or something like that.
1: Yeah, she's saying that before, before they discovered Spice on the planet, they were going to make Arrakis like a, like a paradise, basically. Yeah, they were just going
0: to, like, you know, fix, fix the climate so there was more water or something. Yeah, make right? it,
1: like, livable, but make then livable. they discovered Spice and, you know. Right. So anyway,
0: this whole scene is terrible. from start to finish, it's absolutely horrid. And there's multiple things that happen that are bad, but it starts out bad in the way that this movie is bad consistently. Mm-hmm. Normally in a movie, what happens is you walk into a big, weird looking room like that. And Timothy Chalamet would say, what is this place? And she would say, it's a decommissioned environmental station. And he would say, I didn't know they had those here. It wasn't in the books or something. And she would go like, yeah, they don't want you to know about it because blah, 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 right? That's, that's how a normal person would write that dialogue so that it's interesting and that it sounds natural. Instead what happens is there's no conversation. They walk into the room, nobody asks what it is, mm-hmm. apparently don't care, mm-hmm. but she takes it upon herself to go, "Do you know what this place is?" question mark, doesn't wait for an answer, and <laughs> says, "It's a decommissioned environmental station." Just terrible writing. Absolute garbage. So anyway, that happens. We then have our main characters in some little inner sanctum area that happens to have like a secret passage that you escape through. Why does it have a secret passage you escape through? Well, obviously when you have an environmental station for research, one of the big things you're worried about is people invading the botany lab. So there's a secret panel. Ah? Exactly where they are. A secret panel in the botany lab. This would make sense if they had said, what is this place? A secret weapons research facility. Oh, okay, I get it now why there's a secret panel in the thing. Like, no. It was a place for, like, plant research that we just shut down. But somehow, there's a secret passage. No explanation why. And no character even says, like, why is there a secret? What the hell? Like, how is there a secret route out? They're not surprised. In this universe, characters are used to the fact that botany labs have secret doors. That's just a thing. I do think the
1: the secret doors in movies thing, like, secret doors have become so common in movies that, People don't even think it's weird, but it's like, no, that's actually weird. It's ridiculous. Yeah, secret doors are like not really a thing. You
0: just told me this was from an era where no one was in conflict. They were here to help. They were just going to build a little atmosphere generator thing so that the planet could have water. Who do you think is coming at that point? Nobody. It was, it was before the conflict happened. Why would you have a secret door? Anyway, so there's a secret door, which is ridiculous. But okay, they're going to go out the secret door, right? Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, there's two basically blast doors separating them and the people who are attacking. They're like, what did you call them? They're like the emperor troops.
1: The Sautokor. Saudi- the emperor's
0: something? weird floaty men. Mm-hmm. So the emperor's weird floaty men float down from the sky. And <clears> they have a little tussle with the sand people who are hiding in the floor. And then they go through this one of these doors. Duncan Idaho opens the door, goes through the door, then closes the door behind him. Right. He's going to fight these guys Mm -hmm. uh, as they're coming in. Mm -hmm. And he closes the door. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's only two things that the character could think about the door. One is that the door will prevent these people from going somewhere. Two is that the door will not prevent these people from going somewhere. So let's take a look at the two cases. If you think the door will prevent these people from going somewhere, why would you go on the other side of it? I mean, the answer, there's no answer well, to that question. Well, because you don't
1: think the door will hold.
0: So the only possible thing is that you don't think the door will hold. Yeah. If you don't think the door will hold, why did you bother closing it behind you as if somehow this is going to do something?
1: Well, it will slow them down quite a bit. Why? If you you think it will
0: slow them down, why didn't you run away? Why didn't you go
1: with the other people? Well, because he thought he could slow them down more. How would you slow them down more by being on the front side of the door? dramatic moments. At the very
0: least, hide on the other side of the door and when they come through, it kill them.
1: To be honest, I don't, I gotta be honest, I don't find this kind of criticism particularly interesting. Anyway, I this have is, no idea what u- he was doing there. This is there. very much a you thing.
0: Well, well, it goes more, there's more.
1: Oh my God. So
0: not only is that absurd, yeah. but this is a person whose entire thing is he's gonna protect those people. He's like supposed to protect the, the Duke. So he's like, well, there's some guys coming in the front of this facility. So the best thing I could do is close this door and isolate myself where I fight an entire huge number of people coming in the front door, probably die, to slow down people so that then they will cut through this door and follow the people who I'm supposed to be protecting. Instead of just closing the door uh, so they're on the other side of it, which, by the way, it already was, and going with them where he can actually protect them wherever they're going. Yeah. Right? It's literally absurd. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Not to mention the fact they then get to a chopper. That's the first time we've ever seen something that can only seat two people. Why does it only seat two people? Because we don't want three people getting on it is the only explanation I can possibly see for why it only seats two people. Everything else sat like huge battalions of people. There was like 12 guys in the back of this thing. I think they said each one could could seat seven. nine people total, like yeah. two in the front and seven. They had already done that once. So they're just like, well, it can't be that because then everyone could have left. Right. And again, it's almost as if Duncan Idaho knows that there's a chopper back there with only two things in it. So he, like, it would have made more sense if they got there and there was only two seats. And he's like, all right, I'll defend you while you leave. Scene makes sense now, right? Furthermore, they have a laser that cuts through people. We know this because the people can't cross over the laser. Mm -hmm. Do they shoot the laser at people in general? No. Instead, they wait... To deploy the laser until after they've already had a giant fistfight. It's so bizarre. That entire scene is so ridiculous. Mm. It's just absolutely bonkers. And not a single thing that any character does makes any sense. It's ridiculous.
1: All right. Well, we've heard from the Casey. We've yeah. heard from him.
0: Anyway, hated this film. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Watching it the second time was somehow not as bad as watching it the first time. I actually time.
1: agree. I um, I actually did not dislike it as much the second time.
0: Yeah, I think because once you kind of know that nothing really happens. Right. Yes. You yes. can kind of just watch it and you're not aggravated. I agree. Or something. I agree.
1: It's less aggravating um, the second time.
0: The the soundtrack being like sounding like tortured dolphins ah! uh, was well there's n- there's that but uh, also like the sound, like the not the human voice, but the actual like instrumentation sounds yeah, yeah. like dolphins being tortured and multi or something. Like it's this weird like screeching whale sound thing that can happens. Can Hans Zimmer
1: just like stop? Can we get can we can we just <laughs> can he just stop now?
0: I don't think he's gonna. He's always scores everything.
1: All right. Well, this has been, I think we're at like two hours now, so we should really, we should yeah, wipe it I could down.
0: keep going, but L- we'll leave it at don't, that. Please don't.
1: Please uh, don't. I'm tired of it. I don't know okay. if our viewers are. <laughs> uh, so
0: That's anyway, gonna... hated the movie. Uh, I also, and the last thing I'll say about this movie is if you're going to have- Credits for a movie that anyone's <laughs> supposed to read. Check the DPI setting on Windows first, because I think they've got it set to like 50%. Yeah. and they the c- So everything's really, really tiny. Oh it's my God, like it's
1: hilarious. They,
0: they did the credits on a 1080p monitor and then rendered the movie at 4K. <laughs> and so now you've got these tiny fonts that no one can read. Yeah, it's
1: really funny. It's good. like
0: half the size of a normal credits font.
1: It's very funny. Um, I, I don't know what that was about. I don't either. Anyway. Well, movie club, you know... I'm sure we're going to get a lot of disagreement here. So let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Um. Yeah. Let us know.
0: Yeah. Let us know. And I would say like of the two movies, I actually like Le Grand Bleu better.
1: Really? Oh, I would say this was yeah. much more. Because injo- the much... two movies
0: we didn't like on Movie Club basically is, is this and Le Grand Bleu. Really?
1: I, yeah. I, I would much rather watch Dune than Le Grand Bleu, than than The Big Blue.
0: I think I, I would agree with you that I would rather watch Dune again if I had to watch one again. Mm-hmm. But Dune leaves me with nothing other than complaints, whereas, like I said at the end of our Le Grand Bleu episode, I didn't like watching the movie, but I did feel like it managed to get a sense – there was a sense of something in that movie that did come through for me. There was like a feeling – that I did get, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of rare in movies. So I was like, I, I do think that something happened in mm-hmm, that film, mm-hmm. whereas nothing happens in Dune for me. So yeah, Dune is
1: a very m- forgettable movie. Very, it's the, forgettable the immediately like, after you watch y- there's it. There's stuff that sticks with you just partly because it's weird, yeah, um, but yeah. partly because it's yeah, it's just a, it's a a, yeah. a more unique movie. Dune does yeah. not feel like unique at all. So
0: of um, the, in the shootout for bottom spot, Dune wins for me. Okay. Uh, Kind of by a landslide, really. Okay. There's nothing else on the movie club that's really
1: Wow. Well, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Casey Muratori hates, hates Dune. Denny Villeneuve's Dune. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure this is going to be a contentious uh, comment section. We'll see.
0: Yeah. But, it will um, be a contentious comment section. But, you know, sometimes controversy is important.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. Thanks for listening. And I think next week we're going to do everything everywhere all at once.
0: That'll be interesting. Neither of us have seen that Neither movie. Neither
1: of us have seen it. Actually, I've intentionally I've tried to know. I've heard a lot about it, but I intentionally tried to know as little about it as possible because exactly. I want to go in not knowing. I anything. don't know what
0: the story is, yep. but but people say it's good. Yep. Um. So.
1: so yeah, we'll see you here next week.
0: Take it easy, everybody.
1: Bye.